Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Coastline Church. You doing good? Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you've had some sort of stuffed bird in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I really do want to say welcome here. If you're new, if you're visiting, if it's your first time with us, I want to welcome you to church. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my heart that you would know that we are, we are in a series called Family Vibes, but very much this is the family of God. And I just recognize that as the series is all about kind of who we are, what we believe in, what our church is about, um, the things that we would value as a church, I also want you to know that you are welcome here, that this is a place for you to belong, that this is, as if you are a follower of Jesus, this is the family of God. And so no matter what your family dynamic is, this is a place that you can belong. This is a place that you can enjoy. This is a place you can call home. Amen? And so welcome here. Thanks so much for joining us on Thanksgiving weekend. Glad to have you with us. Like I said, we are in a, a series called Family Vibes, a series all about Coastline Church, who we are, what we believe. Our four pillars are that every person would know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And for the last two weeks of this series, I want to talk about making a difference, what it looks like to serve. And maybe you hear make a difference and you think, you already, you already know what I'm thinking. You already know what I'm going to say. Outreach and missions. And you've heard words like serving and using your gifts and reaching people. Being a conduit for the ministry. All of those words kind of encompass making a difference in the world around us. Of course, right? Uh, even at churches, I think often we jump from John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That beautiful word of salvation, and then we jump all the way to Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we go from salvation to service. And we go from the love of Jesus to telling the whole world about Jesus. You even see it sometimes when you come into churches, you'll see different places. And it's not a bad message, but to know Jesus and to make him known, right? To find Jesus and then to make him famous. And it's a good message for sure. But there is something in between those that also is very important that I don't want to miss. I want us to be people who make a difference. I believe we are a church that makes a difference in our community. But before we can make a difference, I believe it is our heart, it is our, our privilege to be made different as Christians. To be someone who makes a difference, we need to be someone who is daily made different. That making a difference actually starts right here. This is the first spot, friends. We actually have, if you call yourself a Christian here, a responsibility. This is the spiritual daily office, if you will. Right here, from the first thing we do, we have a responsibility to grow our personal faith. Our personal faith, making a difference, starts right here in us. I think that really matters. That after salvation, we have such a joy, and we want to tell the world that's a good thing. But first, we have to focus on also what is God doing right here? How is He changing us before we begin to go and change and do? And I think there is this piece of being made different that Andy kind of talked about when he talked about finding freedom. These things do go hand in hand, but I think this is part one, if you will. Before we get to the reaching, what about what's happening right here in us? We've been walking through the letter of Colossians, and Paul kind of in chapter three 
almost recaps one and two. So in chapter one and two, we have this moment where we see a breakdown of salvation, knowing God, finding freedom. Even uh, Pastor Adam preached a great message about discovering your purpose. He talked about Epaphras and how he knew his purpose. He actually probably planted this church out of his ministry, a disciple of Paul's. And so we have all these pillars, we see it here, but before we get to the chapter four in this letter, where, where Paul really describes about like finding open doors and talking to people outside of the church and all these different things, he has this recap moment in chapter three. He pauses and he gives us kind of a recap on what he said and how important it is to daily be made different in Christ. He says this, we're gonna read right from, from chapter three, verse one, and it's, it's like family meeting time. He says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. So again, he's referencing what he's already said. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your minds on what things above not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life if you have a Bible today, you can underline that in yours appear, appears then you will also appear with him in glory so he stops for a moment and he has like a family meeting do you ever have family meetings Okay, no one has family meetings, okay. We have a lot of them, apparently. We're going to like a nice place with fancy things. It's always like, family meeting. Bo, show me how you put your hands in your pockets, you know? It's true, <laughs> we do that a lot. Family meeting, but even recently, I, I, we were, I realized with my kids, I think they just got really comfortable at church and they feel like they own the place. This is, this is normal for PKs. I'll never forget the time when, when sweet Eden Moore came up to me and asked me for something. He said, Eden, I don't have time right now. I'll get to that in a second. Eden is Pastor Andy and Pastor Lisa's daughter. This is when she was really little. She said, excuse me, do you know who I am? It's <laughs> like, yeah, yes, I do. Do you know who my dad is? He'll fire you. <laughs> She's in Thailand, so I can tell that joke and not feel bad. And I was like, yeah, I know. And then I kind of stressed about it, like, is she gonna tell her dad? Like, <laughs> and I realized that my kids began to kind of have a similar nature. They, they, they were kind of coming, and I think, I think Pastor Bren was like down on his knees and trying to play with them, and they were just kind of shrugging him off and pushing him aside. And I was like, be nice to Pastor Bren. Respect Pastor, we had to have a family meeting. Listen, I know you love the church, and the play, the, like, this is a good place, but you gotta show some love and respect to everyone around here, okay? Don't, you don't own the place. Like, come on, you know? We have family meetings. I'm sure you've had a family meeting before, a sit down, a serious conversation. This is what, exactly what Paul is doing here. He's saying, listen, before we get to the go and do, there is something that's very important that we can never forget. You have been raised with Christ to life. There is something that has happened here. There is a transformative, grace-filled power in your life. Don't forget it. Since then, you have been raised to life, the Bible says. That's what he's writing. Where do you do it? You, you put your heart, you put your heart and you put your mind on things above. Thankful for Fred and how he led us this morning. Getting our hearts and our minds worshiping, thinking about heaven. Heaven. Not on earthly things, not on the cultural moment, not on this. No, no, no. We push and we think and we look above to Jesus 
We think higher thoughts. We think things that, that, that push us forward. Since you have no longer lived in sin, you've been raised to life. Therefore, set your minds on things, not of this world, but on heaven. That word set or seek, it's this Greek word, phroneo. It's this really interesting word where it's trying to basically align the visceral and the cognitive pieces of who you are. One commentator wrote it like this. He said, it's to harmonize what your mind and what your affections know is the will of God. It's taking what you know to be true and what you feel and saying, Lord, I put it all to you. I bring it all to you. I don't keep thinking and saying one thing. I, Christ is life. It's this whole new mindset. I actually love that he said that. That would have helped in youth ministry when everyone told me ball is life. That was a common thread. Fall is life for many of you, right? Things become, it feels like work is life. Oh, she's just her work or he's just his work. Kids, right? Their life is their kids. When we pick these things, art is life or job is life or drums is life or whatever it is. I had a, someone asked me recently, what are your hobbies? And I was like, I don't know, driving kids to soccer? Like, <laughs> and it can feel that way. That's not a flex in any way, shape, or form. That is the truth, that we get so occupied with the things of life, we forget that Christ is not someone who we integrate into our world. He is our life, and everything else gets to be a part of that journey, that foundation. He is the center. Amen. This is why, this is why I think we struggle so much with cultural pieces, Whatever it is, cultural, it could be a fad, it could be a theme, it could be like a, an ideology, an agenda, because we hear about it and we want to fit in, but we know that Christ's foundation is actually how our life should be dictated. And so we come at odds, we feel broken, we feel stuck, we feel bothered, uncertain how to proceed because we have a life and we're kind of just adding Christ to it rather than saying, no, 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 Christ is my life. He is my rock. And every step I take, he is the lamp unto my feet, the word says. And so it's a challenge when we're faced with different pieces on how do, how do we handle the things that come our way. We don't add things to our life and that includes Christ. He is our life and from there, everything flows out. And that's the difference. That's the thing that changes. Life is not this lens or adventure where you integrate Christ Christ is the lens by which all life is integrated. And so he says, how do we make ourselves different? How do we be made different so that we can make a difference? And he keeps, he keeps writing. He says, put to death, therefore. Aren't you happy Thanksgiving? Put to death. That's what, there it is. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Thankful that... The wrath was poured out on the cross and not on us, amen? You used to walk in these ways, verse seven, in the life you once lived. There it is again, that same language. You once walked the way you used to be. But now, he's calling us forward as, as he's saying, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 
Here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. A lot of theology there, a lot of things to hit, but we, we're going to stay a little bit higher than in the weeds here. Put to death. This word really matters. This is word, Greek word necro, which is where we get kind of like necromancer, if you've seen The Hobbit, anything like that. It's, this, it's a word describing death. Corpse-like, lifeless, to, 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 to deprive something of its life, of energizing power. It's this figurative word, truly, to cut off, to sever. Not just separate and take a step away, to cut off its lifelessness and throw it away. I don't know if you've seen this movie. I was thinking about it recently. There's some kids in the room. I don't get, I'm not going to get too graphic, but earmuffs, maybe. Um, 127 hours, have you seen this movie? I hope you haven't. It's, in, it's, it's nuts. It's wild. It's about a story guy named Aaron who was traveling in the Grand Canyon, I believe, and he actually falls from a cliff, falls from the spot, and he's got boulder wall, and then his arm literally gets stuck against this boulder wall with a rock, and it's stuck on another boulder wall. So he is in this tiny one-foot kind of groove in the, in the boulder, if you will. Arm is completely stuck by this rock. And for a little while, he doesn't know what to do. He assumes someone will come, but no one comes. He tries to, like, hit the rock, move the rock, shape the rock, change the rock. doesn't move. It's a massive boulder stuck up against his arm. He then tries to take his knife, and he starts to chip away at the rock, hoping that it'll break enough just for him to, to slip out. And all of this is futile because the rock isn't moving. His arm, friends, is dead. And at the very end of the moment, at the end of the movie, he realizes what he actually has to do. I'm not going to tell you what he did. He cuts his arm off. That's what he does. <laughs> what? I went to watch this movie. I remember, I've seen it a couple times. I went to watch it again last night just for, you know, sermon prep. And I couldn't do it. I started, I was like, no, never mind. He understood something. He had a will to say, this is holding, it's the arm that's holding me back, it's actually not the rock. We chip away at sin, assuming it's just gonna go away. Yeah. We hope that someone will come and rescue us out of, our, out of our heated sin or our moment. But the truth is, God is saying, Paul's saying to us, God is saying to us, he actually calls us to live in such a way that says, I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm putting those things to death. I'm taking them and I'm taking them off. I'm stripping myself from those things. I want to live in the way that Christ has called me to live, empowered by grace, moved to the Holy Spirit, every day saying, Lord, I know I'm not enough, but I run to you because you have more than enough. And I get it, it's challenging. Life throws enough curveballs as it is. And this is why for us, we need to be made new every day. His mercies are new every morning. There is a grace for you and for me at, at any point to run to the Spirit. I had a great friend come up after and say, you know, it's interesting hearing some different commentaries. They'll actually intertwine the word grace and Spirit because the greatest gift that God gives us is the, whole, is the grace of Jesus. We see that in, in Ephesians. But how does that come? Through the Holy Spirit. And so it's not just grace once for all, but it's like this beautiful moment of like, I'm coming to grace again and again to be made different, to be made new, to recognize like, man, yes, my salvation is intact, but every single day I run into this wall or this moment, I'm not just going to chip away at my sin, I'm going to put it to death by the grace of Jesus daily, daily, daily. And so that's what we choose to do. It's a value of ours. 
It's not just what we do that identifies us. It's also what we don't do. That's important. It's not just what we say yes to and do with our actions. It's also what we choose to say no to. It's also what we say, I'm not going to do that, actually. I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm not going to push this or post that or, or mention that. I actually step back from those things. And this is one of those things I think a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like this. This sounds like just work on my behavior. This sounds like just do's and don'ts. I thought, I thought salvation was different than that. I thought grace was bigger than that. This is one of those statements that sounds kind of religious or limiting or restrictive. No, 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 no. The, I, the concept of self-denial is both a Christian attitude and practice. And anyone who tells you different isn't telling you the whole gospel. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Again, I know I'm throwing big verses that need time and context, and I'm sorry we don't have time to break it all down, but he's essentially saying, listen, you can't just go after everything you want. I'm asking you to put, put your desires aside and run to me, and I'll show you the desires of your heart. I'll bring you a new life and adventure. And this final verse is interesting because it poses a question, and I want you to hear it. This is still Matthew 16. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? He has everything on earth, but loses his own soul. You could have everything, and for this not to be made right, it won't feel good. It's the, it's the Solomon syndrome, isn't it? King Solomon, who had 1,300 wives and a house for each of them, he threw a party for six months because he could. That's in there. I'm not making stuff up. Planted forests. And it was never enough. Vanity. Meaningless. These two natures, and Andy preached a great message on this, so I don't want to talk too much about it. Friends, I want you to know that when we are saved, our spirit is intact with the Lord. We are a new creation. But our flesh is fighting this daily battle. And that's why I think it's so encouraging and important to know that the struggle is real, for sure. But there's something really powerful about saying, hey, daily I need to come to the Lord and be made different and to be made whole because things of this world will pull you in. And the denial of self is, is a good thing. It's a good practice. And it actually helps us say, I don't need everything. I actually need to start. It all starts with Jesus. That's where my foundation is, and then everything else is added to it. And verse 11 is key. Before, I don't want to get too far down into the next chunk of verses, which I know lots of you know them, and we're going to get to them. But verse 11 is key. It's really powerful. Here, here in this place of recognizing, getting away all this stuff, he's saying, there is no Gentile, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, slave, or free. Christ is all and is in all. What Paul is saying here is that the work of a new creation not only deals with the old man, that I was, but gives us this new man pattern after Jesus. And it breaks down barriers that separate people in society. And so I can have a very different family, life, values, and all those things, but the fact that I know the Lord allows me to connect with someone who also may have different family, background, values, but also knows the Lord. 
I look at many of you and I think, I'm sure me and Pastor Chris had different upbringings. I'm sure we had different family traditions and trips and all those things, but there is a common thread, a commonality, a connection, and it's the grace of Jesus Christ. And this is a perfect, beautiful family value that Paul is saying, listen, those barriers are broken down we put those things to death and we run to the Lord and say, oh, we have a connection. This is a brother in Christ. Why? Because of Jesus. I see different people in here and I think, man, this is the family. This is the family. And so here's how we know we can make a difference. This next chunk of verses is so key. It says this in Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, and I know many of you love this. We don't love the whole put to death part, but we do like this part. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. This is this being made different so we can make a difference. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. I'm sure many of you have heard this verse, whether you're a Christian or not, maybe said at a wedding or bumper sticker or something, something fun. It's interesting language we see here. Clothe yourselves, rid yourselves. Put on and put to death. These kind of mirroring concepts of like, you choose what you wear. This is a clothing term, truly. What you choose to wear is what you choose to wear. There might be circumstances in your life that are beyond your control. I I wanna state that, I'm aware of that. But often, not always, but sometimes, I had a great conversation with one of our team members this morning, but sometimes, no matter how much it feels like it's out of your control, there are still moments and places that you can control. So we choose what we wear, and we choose what we don't wear. We choose what goes on, we choose what comes off. It is on us sometimes to really understand that If we want to make a difference, we have to run with that tension, that struggle, feeling like I can truly choose compassion and kindness and gentleness. He doesn't, there's some of us who are walking in the world trying to do what we think the Lord has called us to do or act in a way that we feel the Lord is calling us to act. Yet we're putting on anger every morning. We are we're fighting like two different battles where we're like, I want to do this, like Paul says in Romans 7, but I also struggle with this. And we have to fight. We have to actually get to work. We have to actually recognize, for some of us, we're so paralyzed because we're wearing anger or malice or rage. And the idea of leading a small group or speaking out or, or whatever it may be is so challenging for us, all because of what we choose to put on in the morning. It's kind of like this. I'm gonna... I'm gonna I'm gonna try something here. Walk with me for a second. We, we have this love of Jesus in our heart that has changed us, moved us, shaped us, made us feel whole in a way that we never thought possible. And then also sometimes in the morning we get a little feisty, don't we? You like how I did that? Checking me out. This is a pretty regular outfit until this comes on, doesn't it? (laughs) Sorry, I don't know why I did that. It's the Bengal Tigers, relax, okay? 
I want you to know, I didn't, I didn't buy this with my own money. <laughs> I think some of you wanted to know if I, if I did that. So we have this love. We have this moment with the Lord, this salvation moment, and yet we choose anger. We would rather wear this as some sort of tough exterior. We struggle to say, Lord, I want this off, but I'm just so mad because she said this, or he did that, or he wasn't there, or she never showed up, or they're asking too much of me, and therefore I, I could never forgive them. The Bible doesn't give you that. Preacher Paul just said, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Isn't that what it says? It says, put on kindness, compassion, and yet we're choosing anger. And so we, we want to go out and be and do and make a difference, but no one's talking to us because we're wearing this. Listen, no judgment on the coat, but you know what I'm saying? It's just an, it's an illustration. We're angry, we're mad, we're, we're vengeful, we're, we're filled with rage. We would, we would cause harm to someone. We would literally do something that they would lose the job so that we could get the project or we could get the lead. So we button up and we wear this all day. He says, put to death, take off, shed this coat in a way that... But it's a struggle, not because buttons are hard, but because we actually kind of like the comfort of it sometimes. I never wear a hat on the pulpit. Someone actually said in the nine, you look good. No, I don't. <laughs> Some fashionistas out there, this is not a nice fit, they would tell you. We want to be patient and loving and kind with our spouse or our friends. But there's such a, our heart is so filled with lust. We can't stop watching pornography. We're so filled with anger and lust and these things combined. Can I be honest? Can I speak to something for a second? This is a very dangerous combination. We're trying to live with hope, but we are putting on anger. We're trying to live at peace, but we're, we're, we're holding on to bitterness. We want to live with unconditional love, yet for some reason we keep running to lust. We want to make a difference, but we're struggling to feel made different. And so we have to, honestly, I mean this with all my heart, wrestle this to the ground. Get in the daily office with the Lord. Talk to Jesus daily through song, through moments of rest, through silence, through the word, through worship, and say, I want to put this to death. We have to actually truly begin to get rid of these things. We have to take off the coat of anger and become vulnerable, maybe have a conversation in a small group. And I know it feels challenging, because again, there's been some sort of like comfort attached to this, but the Lord has actually asked us to put this to death, to work hard at, to get after it, to truly say like, I'm gonna get to work on this. I'm not going to keep walking around like a Bengal tiger, feisty and fiercely like approaching every conversation with anger and hate, but I'm actually gonna have grace and love and peace is gonna rule my heart, not anger. And joy is gonna define my actions, not vengefulness and, and, and hatred and malice. Are you hearing me this morning, church? We have to be people who put some work into this. And again, people want to say like, but I have the grace of Jesus, so shouldn't this, no, 
Knowing Jesus is not a guaranteed holiness contract. There is a coming back to him daily that says, Lord, I need more of you and less of me. It was the John the Baptist who said, literally, I want to become less so that you could become greater in my life. Jesus, I need you. I need you in a big way. So this stuff isn't lingering around. It just goes where it needs to go. And I can be a man or a woman of God that says, it's the peace of Christ that rules my heart, not my anger, nothing else. So Lord, work on me as I try and work for you and with you. I'm wrapping up now in this final few verses. It says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace, to peace excuse me, and be thankful. Thankfulness changes you, doesn't it? I just did this with our staff recently where we were chatting, and I was like, I've never been someone who said you can just choose joy. It's not been a statement I love, but I was talking to someone in our, in our congregation who's actually writing a book right now on joy. Really intelligent guy. And he was sharing with me after, you can actually scientifically prove that it's gratitude and thankfulness that actually is the gateway to joy. If your life is heavy and hard, you can't just be like, Joy, there you are. I've missed, it's a challenge, right? But you can begin to say what you're thankful for, what you're grateful for. Sometimes I'll do this in my own life when I'm annoyed. I'll make a list of every single thing that I am thankful for. And thankfulness and gratitude is actually what catapults joy in your life. That's why it writes, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as one body you were called to peace, and be Thankful. What a great Sunday to be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. So gratitude. Let the message of the gospel dwell among you richly. Admonish one another with wisdom through what? Through teaching? Through podcasts? Through, no, no, article? I love this. Through wisdom, through the psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with what? A, gra- gratitude, a grateful heart. In verse 17, which we all know, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, there it is again, to God the Father through him. As we close today, I'm reminded of just how important it is to come to the Lord daily, to be made different daily so that we can make a difference. I want us to be that church. I do. I believe we are. But there is a step that goes hand in hand with it, where we are called, and and Paul's having this family meeting again. He's saying, listen, while we do this, never forget, put to death the things of this earth and follow him and know that you are a child saved, loved. You are dearly loved, holy chosen people, and you are called to kindness and humility and gratefulness. And even as I read this last kind of parting message from him, it's funny, I've been reading so much Paul lately because we just did Acts in the summer. And I wrote down this, like, I kind of call it, like, Paul's steps to death. That sounded weird. Like, steps to putting things to death. Not his death. Like, the, the evil things that we already read. You get it. Doesn't matter. You get it. And, and, I, and I wrote this down in the Acts series, and I tried to use it, but it never felt like it fit. But I just was reminded of it today as it was on my desk. And it's just this. Gratitude, gospel, worship, work, gratitude. Here's what I mean. Even in this final section of verses, we see it again. It says, be thankful, in verse 15. 
Let the message, the gospel of Christ dwell among you richly. Worship him in songs in the spirit. And whatever you do, word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord and be grateful. And there's almost this pattern of like, I, I don't want anger in my heart. Okay. Begin to make a list of things you're grateful for. Dwell richly and deeply in the gospel of Jesus. Worship him. Worship him in song and spirit. Put on the music every chance you get. Talk to him in the car, in the shop, whatever it is. When you go to work on Tuesday or whatever day it is, like work and be grateful for work and be thankful for where he's placed you here and now and give thanks to the Lord. And you will begin to see the shedding off of things that you do not want to see anymore in your life. And you will recognize that running to Jesus and making him the center and collectively saying, Lord, I don't want to live with anger or malice or any of these things anymore. I run to you. And you will see things put to death. You will feel and recognize that you have been made different. It is my prayer that at the end of this year, you don't feel the same like you once did. But the things that have held you back, the things that you have been addicted to, whatever it is, those things are gone because you have been made different daily, recognizing that the spirit and the grace of God has renewed you from that point to now. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you today. If you would just close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we, we run to you in your love this morning. Lord, we're thankful for you. Jesus, I just pray this morning we would have such a soft heart to see how you are moving in our lives. I pray for compassion. I pray for kindness and humility and gentleness. It's in Jesus' name I pray. I pray, Lord, that we would be patient people, forgiving people, that you would put love on our hearts, which binds all this stuff together in perfect unity. Jesus, I pray right now that we would be a thankful people, a grateful people. Would you do that even now? I mean it. Would you take a second as we pause in this moment and just utter, even just under your breath, but out loud if you would, how grateful for you are for Jesus. If you feel comfortable doing that, you can just begin to do that. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for a significant sacrifice that you took so I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Would you go ahead, just begin to say thank you, Jesus. This is why we do communion. This is moments like where we reflect and say, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Jesus, I pray for the people who are struggling in here. That when even that first list was read with malice and anger and rage and lust and Lord they felt like someone was reading their mail I just pray in Jesus name they would know with all of their heart that there is a God who chooses them loves them who sees every battle that they're walking in you don't have to walk alone today Coastline Church every battle you face every moment of frustration temptation your God goes with you so Jesus, would we today choose to walk hand in hand with you, setting our minds, setting our hearts, not on the earthly things, but on the things above, the things of heaven, the things that are eternal, not things that rust and lose. Lord, would our soul not get mixed up in just earthly things, Jesus? 
We don't want to gain the world but lose you. We want to gain you daily. And so, Lord, I pray you would shift our perspective. Lord, I pray for humility in this room, for a real humility that says, Lord, you first, everything else next. And Lord, I pray today that we would be people who run to you, who make you our, you our focus, that we would be thankful people. On any Sunday, Lord, make it this Sunday that we are a grateful, thankful people to you, Jesus, and to everything you have given us. Lord, we look to you today. We know that you are good. We know that you are moving. We know that you love us. And so we lean into that love, that grace, so that we would be made different every day so we can make a difference for you every day. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said.